You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's AT&T. Byron Nelson and joining me to break it all down. Sia Najad is here. Sia, happy Monday. Thank you very much. Happy Monday to you. And and by the way, does it seem like golf is scripted right now in, in the sense that like all the right guys are winning as we set up for the PGA Championship? So so with that, I just want to I just want to start the episode by saying clearly to 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 continue this script it's got to be brooks kepka right so congratulations to brooks kepka on on winning this week and uh i'll kick it back to you, you you mean to get us like to full fever pitch heading into the pga championship rory has won spieth has won dj is dj we'll talk about him bryson always in the mix if we could just get a, a brooks kepka victory that would really give us all the heavyweights just rocking and rolling it would get golf at its just most uh, it'd just be incredible <laughs> Greg Ducharme is here rounding out our group for today. Greg, we missed you last week. Good to have you back. Uh, yeah, I'm really glad to be back. It was a bummer to miss last week because um, it's a big week. Wells Fargo is a big week on a, on a big time golf course. And uh, I saw what you guys did. I love the model. I think the driving ability really showed through last week. So I'm interested to talk about TPC Craig Ranch this week and see what we think um, this golf course is going to present and who it's going to favor. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. And I agree with Sia. Things are the, the game of golf is in really good place. And Rick and I, we talked about that last night as well. So um, I'm in total agreement there. TPC Craig Ranch. That's the key this week. It's a brand new course on the PGA Tour. We're going to talk about that uh, a lot. But before we do, Dustin Johnson withdrew this morning. So Sia, uh, the most expensive golfer on DraftKings, he gone. He is no longer in this field. We will wait to see him hopefully at Kiowa. He, he describes some discomfort in his knee, but again, he did withdraw after the pricing already came out. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. I mean, we did the course preview show yesterday, Rick, and I wasn't going to be on DJ anyway, as he's sort of tuning up for the PGA championship. But uh, I mean, that's, it's a big deal. Uh, and it's going to obviously ownership is going to kind of trickle down to the extent it was on DJ in the first place is going to trickle down to the names like Bryson DeChambeau, John Rahm, Jordan Spieth, the guys we're going to talk about in the elite range. So I'm excited to see kind of where that ownership goes. While this event has been a staple on the PGA Tour, TPC Craig Ranch is the new home. And producer Jacob, as always, goes above and beyond. So he has gotten us exclusive drone footage. He went out there and shot this himself. No, just kidding. It's from someone on YouTube. We should give him credit for that. His name is Plan Room. Uh, This is drone footage of TPC Craig Ranch. And Jacob, I guess just leave this running while we're talking about it here. Uh, but Greg, what I see is a, a standard par 72, four par threes, four par fives. And I think there's going to be plenty of scoring opportunities. Um, it's interesting, Rick, because when they played this in uh, uh, the Corn Ferry Tour, 
um, back in 2008 and 2012, it played as a par 71 at mm-hmm. 7,400 yards, which is, yeah, I mean, that seems like a really big number. Um, from what I've heard, uh, uh, Michael Breed covered it when when it was the Corn Ferry Tour event back then. So he saw it. He said it didn't really play all that long. It was kind of a fast golf course at that time, and it, and it didn't play very long. And what I wonder here, Rick, is if that's because it's so wide open. So it gives you a lot of opportunities to hit driver. Uh, if the ground ground gets a little bit firm. You're not worried about running into overly thick rough and you, you kind of have um, opportunities to let it fly, which is going to shorten a golf course. So um, I, I'm very interested in a wide open golf course to me generally says uh, approach game, which is kind of where I'm, I'm leaning in my early analysis. I, I think that just opens up, it screams uh, approach games. So that, that's going to be the area that I'm looking for most this week. If you're watching on YouTube, you're watching us fly over the second fairway right now and see what Greg is describing wide open is really the only way I could describe this course. I mean, I'm I'm looking for trouble off the tee and on maybe 15, 16 holes, I can't find any of it. This thing, like even I would be able to play one ball for 18 holes around TPC Craig Ranch. Yeah, and it's going to be such a contrast. I mean, it depends on kind of what you're into. The tough course like we had at Wells Fargo where you could have had, let's say, a six for six go through like I did and it would just kind of crash and burn Saturday and Sunday. Well, that's not going to happen here. You know, if you get your players through in DFS, obviously you are going to be scoring. We have four par fives here. They're all going to be pretty gettable. You know, there's easy kind of easier scoring particularly the par fours as well it's going to be kind of the players are going to have a field day here and and again i I agree with greg approach game is going to be pretty critical um i think off the tee game you could bump up at least you know relative to your your normal uh, approach on uh how you weigh off the tee game so those two are going to be very important both number nine and 18 are par fives. What I think the most difficult hole is going to be is 13. That is a long par four. You'll see it on the flyover if we get that far, but it's essentially 512 yards set uphill. Uh, but right after that is uh, what is probably going to be a drivable par four, 14th, around 330 yards. And Greg, I, I want to go back to your point because I think it's really valid. You know, I've very much been on cam- on the camp of, hey, if you can bomb it around this place without regard for any action, accuracy, I think that's an advantage, but everybody's going to be able to do that. So you're taking it to the next step and you're saying, well, assuming there's not much trouble off the tee, this turns into an approach type contest, which I think is next level thinking. If you think about what where Bryson DeChambeau has won his last two victories, you're talking about golf courses that um, that do have trouble off the tee in the form of rough. And when the rough gets really long and penal, it penalizes short hitters who miss greens. And now all of a sudden you have a huge the golf course gets narrower as you get shorter. Whereas a golf course like this, it almost um, it, it's that's not really the case. If you can handle the rough, if you can get the ball in the fairway much easier, when it becomes hard to get the ball in the fairway and missing the fairway is very penal. Now all of a sudden, um, well, I don't know if I'm saying that the right way, but as the rough grow, as the rough gets longer, the golf course gets wider for longer hitters and narrower for shorter hitters, and that's not always the case on a golf course like this. And and, and I think it, I I do think it's really going to highlight approach games. If you're Bryson DeChambeau and you have a lot of wedges into the greens, 
you're still going to have to make birdies. You're going to have to make a lot of birdies. Um, the scores were 17 under in 2000 and, uh, in 2008 and 16 under in 2012 as a par 71 on the corn. I believe it was par 71. Um, unless I'm mistaken, but anyway, so I think, I think guys are going to have a real opportunity to get after it and go really low. So, um, I, I do think that puts a big emphasis on approach game. From a th- this to me looks like the most demanding. We're we're flying over five right now. This is a par five. Maybe those guys can't get there, but that pinches in. That to me looks like the most demanding tee shot on the course, and that's not even all that all that tough. So uh, mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a, a field day out there. See, from a perspective of not having any course history, obviously we have tournament history, but that is much different. Not having any course history, how much do we trust our early assessment, and how much will you be weighing what we deem to be course? fit into your models this week? I think course fit is a part of the equation, regardless of whether this is a new course to us. But I mean, I'm, I'm definitely because I'm definitely going to be weighing, you know, like the 36 round model that I normally do. I'm going to be looking at maybe the last 12 rounds as well. I'm going to be looking at uh, recent history really more than anything. Obviously, there are guys that are really well suited for, you know, being long off the tee. Um, there's re- guys really well suited that are going to grade out really well on approach. So again, those are the metrics I'm looking at. But again, there's no course history. And, and I don't think, listen, as far as course fit, I think this is one of those courses, and there's a lot of them, where you can be long and that's great, but the shorter hitters are also in play, especially if we're going to get the run out like, like maybe we think we're going to get. And that goes to goes back to Greg's point um, in terms of how dry this course is going to be. So uh, I think uh, I think really almost anybody fits the mold. It's just a matter of whether you want to take a, maybe an added advantage with a guy who might be super long off the tee, for example. Do you guys think this um, this is reminiscent at all of uh, the AT&T Byron Nelson that happened? happened um at at the golf course where there was no I'm I'm drawing a blank on the name of it. They had it not last year but the year before where Aaron Wise won and um and Scott Piercy was in the mix there and there were no trees at all. Um I, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank. Was that on the Dallas country? No, that was um No, 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 no. It was um TPC wow. Las Colinas. No. no, I don't I don't think so. That's not right? it either. Hold no. on, I'm going to find it here. <laughs> Trinity Forest? That's it. That's the okay. one. Trinity Forest. Wow. I can't believe it. I'm, I apologize uh, for that. But yes, it, does this at all remind you of Trinity Forest where it's kind of wide open and and um, that, that Texas style court? There are some trees, but they look to be a lot lower and they don't look to be, and it looks like it's in the in the wintertime here. So they're not really in full bloom, but they don't, it, it looks, it kind of reminds me of that where it's wide and it gives you a, a lot of opportunities, a lot of options off the tee. I think that's fair. Oh, sorry. I, see, are we going to jump in? No, I, I think it's fair, but, but I will say it's such an, it's going to be an interesting contrast because of where this video is or when this video is taking place versus what we're going to see in, in a few days with the full bloom and things of that nature. I do think you can get into tree trouble here. I mean, I definitely think if you're wayward off the tee, um, you might be pitching out, uh, but, to your point, it's it's definitely wide open uh, relative to other courses. There's also right. not very many dog legs uh, that I'm noticing, um, which I, I also find interesting. I guess it gives you, when you do get into tree trouble, it's less likely that you're completely blocked out. You can It looks like you'll have the ability to chase something up there, at least around the green. 
it's a fascinating watch to just it watch really this is. fly over and try to figure this out. I absolutely love it. Uh, but we'll put a pin in the flyover in the course right now. I've got the cheat sheet pulled up here via rickrungood.com. And of course, we had six golfers over $10,000, now down to just five. Dustin Johnson, he was priced at $11,400. He's out. Bryson DeChambeau, now the most expensive golfer on the slate, $11,200. John Rahm at a flat $11,000. Jordan Spieth back in action, $10,007. Hideki Matsuyama teeing it up for the first time. See us since his victory at the Masters. And then Daniel Berger rounds out our 10K and above golfers at $10,100. Let's parse through this and figure out who the plays are. So I sound like a broken record, but I will start by saying, boy, do I love this 9K range. So I'm not going to be flooding the market (laughs) in this 10K, 11K range. But with that said, obviously, we don't have any more DJ. You know, I'm not a huge fan of Bryson this week. I mean, obviously, I think he's a great course fit. But I think if I'm going to be paying up here, it's probably going to be Jordan Spieth. We know he's from this area. He's probably played this course a ton of times. I think that factors in a little bit. But more importantly, he's been playing really way better than anybody, any of these guys, any of these other five, any of these other four guys. So if I'm going to be paying up, it's going to be for him. One note I do want to say on Bryson. And by the way, if you want to go back to John Rahm, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. I totally think that's fine. Again, he was on the wrong side of the weather edge. He played pretty well. He was good off the tee. He was good on approach. Short game just kind of failed him. But um, I, I do like Jordan Spieth couple of notes about uh, those golfers. Jordan Spieth is the only golfer since the start of 2021 to be gaining over two strokes per round on the field. He is then, by definition, the best golfer on tour since the start of 2021. I'm willing to also kind of forgive John Rahm, Greg, and say he got the wrong end of the draw. He was excellent off the tee. Um, he, he lost a ton of strokes on and around the greens, which is not something that he usually does. And I know that he's the longest uh, you know, active streak of cuts made on the PGA Tour, but we have seen countless times these guys are able to flip a switch pretty quickly. So the thing that I've noticed with John Rahm is he's hitting the ball beautifully. He's been hitting the ball really well. Let's I, I am I'm with you. Let's forgive last week. Let's just take that out of the equation. John Rahm has been hitting the ball great all year. It's in, in fact it's one of his best tee to green years that he's had on the PGA tour, which is really saying something. Um but but I've noticed with him this year, he just hasn't really made any putts. He hasn't made anything. And I I wonder if that's gonna make this a a difficult test for you. When you get into a birdie fest, as we're expecting this to be, it in a way takes that elite uh, tee to green game and it can reduce it a little bit and turn it into, uh, I, I think putting is going to have a little bit more of an impact here. A- approach game will absolutely, but you're going to have to capitalize on it. And I wonder, I, I foresee a John Rom week where the putts just don't quite fall. It, it, last week, I, w- I really like John Rahm, uh, full disclosure. He missed the cut, but but that makes sense to me. Where you get on a golf course that's really tough, it really rewards um, elite tee to green play. And you can kind of get around there making, um, shooting great rounds without really making any putts. And this week, I wonder if that's going to be the case. So John Rahm gives me a little bit of fear. That's why I love Jordan Spieth this week, too. One, the approach game has been the best in the world, uh, at least the best on the PGA Tour, pretty much in the world, since the Waste Management Phoenix Open, um, and maybe even since the beginning of the year. So I'm all over Jordan Spieth this week. I think he has a, a stronger ability to hold the putts that he needs to hold than John Rahm. 
And and Rick, real quick, one more thing, just to finish my my thought on Bryson. You know, last week again, he's he's a nice course fit here, but last week he lost in total over five strokes on approach. Okay, he gained seven, uh, seven, I think maybe on the dot with the putter. So it's not exactly the recipe that's going to win it here. So it's just something to point out. Anytime somebody's gaining that much with the putter, I'm sure that'll pay off to some extent. But when you look at that approach, it's it's not super pleasant. Okay, see, so, so the other argument, which you're, you're you're not wrong, he gained exactly seven strokes on. On the putting greens, he lost 5.25 strokes on approach. It was one of uh, his worst weeks in a while. It was actually the only golfer in my database who has lost that many strokes on approach and still finished ninth or still finished inside the top 10, which is where I'm going with this. Sia. Yeah. Let's let's talk about what Bryson did last week. Um, he made a triple on the easiest hole on the course on Friday. Was that Friday? Yes. He made double on 18 on Saturday, which people were doing. He played the par fives at even par and he lost five strokes on approach. He still finished ninth. Are, are we, is this, is this the baseline or like, did everything else possibly go right for him to find himself inside the top 10? And Oh, by the way, he flew in on Saturday morning at 2 45 AM and played on no sleep. Yeah, that that last part is pretty incredible. But listen, if I'm weighing him against, let's say, a Jordan Spieth, who has been a little bit more consistent and maybe a little bit more shaky off the tee, but every other part of the game, I think I'm going to give the check the check to Jordan Spieth. So it's one of those things where you're not going to want to jam two of these guys up here. So my initial thought was I like Bryson, but when I just looked at it a second time, I think it's I'm going to give Jordan Spieth the edge. And what that does for me, unfortunately, is it just kind of boxes Bryson out. The bottom of this $10,000 range, Greg, it's it's rounded out by Daniel Berger and Hideki Matsuyama. I'm getting a bit more bullish as the day goes on on Daniel Berger, and I'm cautiously approaching Hideki Matsuyama this week. If we think it is going to be an approach week, Hideki is certainly that guy. But Greg, do you worry about the first start since the Masters victory? We know all the the pomp and circumstance that he had, all the, uh, the honors and the awards he was given. He flew back to Japan. He had to quarantine for two weeks. Certainly not going to speculate on how much that is cut into his practice time, but I think it's certainly a reason to approach cautiously. Yeah, when you when you take a little bit of time off, there's always that week of or or that round of shaking the rust off that you worry about. Um, and and I wouldn't be surprised if that happened again this week. So I, I definitely have my concerns with Hideki. Daniel Berger's not far. I mean, the last time he played was RBC Heritage. Um, so that's a couple weeks off in a row. And and this feels for those guys, this feels like a warm up tournament for the PGA. And it doesn't feel like the focal point. It's I want to. All right, I'll play the week before I'll get myself ready. I'll, I'll shake a little bit of that competitive rust off and I'll get ready for the major championship. That's the following week. And and that would be my concern with those guys. Now, why don't I have that same concern with Jordan Spieth? Uh, maybe there's a little bit of bias there. I don't, I, I can't really answer that one. Uh, again, full disclosure. Um, but I just get the sense that that Jordan doesn't have that same kind of feeling. This is a completely different animal for Hideki Matsuyama. Berger, Berger's interesting. He just he doesn't jump he doesn't jump off the page to me the way Spieth does. And maybe maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that means there's uh, an opportunity ownership wise with him. And in Berger's defense, he never jumps off the pitch. He, no, he is just right. he's just Berger, right? And he and he he wins and he plays well. And you're never super stoked about it, but he finds a way. It's weird. Well, he he may jump off the page uh, in Memphis. Well, that's for sure. Right? <laughs> yeah. So may, yeah. May, I mean, maybe there's a couple of cases where he does, but 
I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't have a good answer on burger. I just don't feel it right now. The $9,000 range, Sia, Brooks Kepka, Wills Altoris, Matt Fitzpatrick, Scotty Scheffler, Sam Burns, Mark Leishman, Ryan Palmer, and two-time winner of this event, Sergio Garcia. You have already described your love for this range, so talk us through it. I mean, there's just so much to like. Let me let me just start with Brooks Kepka and saying, forget about the stats with him. It's so obvious he's going to win just for the sake of golf. So <laughs> we can move on from that. He's definitely your winner. But the other guys I like, I mean, Will Zalatoris, another guy that's from this area, he last 36 rounds, he's been first on approach. So obviously approach is always going to be important. But but Greg has sort of highlighted why approach is kind of even more sneaky important this week than, than maybe people think. So that's something to keep in mind. Off the tee, Zalatoris hasn't been super great, but you know, he's been like basically average. He's been the, he's in that 30 range. So I like him quite a bit. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, uh, ninth off the tee in the last 36 rounds, uh, first off the tee in the last 12 rounds, the 450 to 500 range in those par fours. He's number one in the model that I created, which would be last 36 rounds. So uh, there's, there's not much to dislike about him. I mean, maybe I think the price is fair. So that's another guy I like. Let me give you let me give you one more, and then I'll, I'll kick it over to Greg. I cannot go through the 9K range without saying the following person's name. Does somebody want to answer this for me? Ryan, Ryan Palmer. Palmer. Ryan <laughs> Palmer. Okay, listen. Ryan Palmer is just the guy. I don't like that he's priced up this high. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the, the talent level in this field might be different from some of the others. This is a pretty high price tag, but... One thing I will say, and I want to give credit uh, where it's due, uh, Garrett Johnston had an interview with him. Uh, he has this guy, Ryan Palmer, has the course record on this course. It's a 61. He lives 40 minutes up the road. He he said he was talking to, to Garrett and he said, listen, I'm going to be sleeping in my own bed. He's played this course a couple dozen times. I think those are I think those are things to at least consider. Um, outside of that, he's 14th off the tee last 36 rounds in my model, which you know has a bunch of different things in it. He's 11th, but he's first in my heart. And at 50 to one, I've already I've already punched that ticket. So let's go. I will circle back on Matt Fitzpatrick because the the model that I ran earlier for Jordan Spieth since the start of January or since the start of 2021, and I said Jordan Spieth was the number one player in the world. Well, Matt Fitzpatrick is the second best player in this field. He has gained 1.7 strokes per round. I don't know if people are paying attention to that because he doesn't have a win, but he has five top 11 finishes in his seven starts. I mean, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I, I, I don't know why, because there's a lot of places that seem like they would not be a good fit for Fitzpatrick, but he seems to be breaking the mold a little bit. And if we were giving out, you know, most improved player awards, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick would certainly have won that award for me this year. Greg, let's pop this over to you for the $9,000 range. Cause there's another Texas guy, Scotty Scheffler here. There's another guy who's great off the tee, Sam Burns. And then we have Mark Leishman who for whatever reason finds ways to win golf tournaments. What are you doing here in the $9,000 range? Uh, Mark Leishman, one of the guys that nearly won at Trinity Forest. Uh, he went crazy low at Trinity Forest, and Aaron Wise ended up beating him down the stretch. Um, but he was really, really good play from Leishman, and and he sticks out to me. But you mentioned two of the guys that really jump out to me, Scotty Scheffler and Mark Leishman. Um, Scotty Scheffler in this $9,000 range is the best 
iron player. Um, and then, and then, um, and Scotty Scheffler to me feels kind of like a forgotten guy. He likes playing in Texas. We remember what he did at the match play. And he, after the match play, he's kind of been, it seemed like a little bit of fatigue. And so for, for Scotty Scheffler, I feel like he, um, after playing Valspar, taking last week off, I feel like it was a good move not to play last week and to get himself fresh, um, and, and ready to go. And I wouldn't be surprised if he came in here really motivated and ready to go. He's well-rounded when it comes to the statistics as well, gaining basically across the board. Um, but to the Matthew Fitzpatrick thing, Matt Fitzpatrick thing, excuse me, he oh, yeah. he's the best putter in this range. And I, I do see a world where this turns into a putting contest as much as I I think as as important as I think approach game is, I wonder how demanding it will be approaching the green. So I I'm, I kind of go back and forth on this. I can see one world where it, the the leaderboard is full of guys that are just great iron players. Um, kind of like last week, we had a leaderboard full of guys that were great drivers of the golf ball. This week, I'm wondering if we're going to see guys that are really good putters or having really good putting weeks. Or are they are the are the great iron players the guys that are going to come to the table? So um, if you want to take that risk and say that it's going to be a putting contest, then I like Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, if it's the way that I'm leaning towards the approach game, then I like Mark Leishman, who's also a pretty good putter as well in his own right. So I think Mark Leishman could be a great play. And of course, I mean, you got Will Zalatoris, you got Brooks Kepka and Scotty. Sh- Just you name can't them all. Past name them guys. all. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I think Leishman is really interesting to me. I, I think he's probably the guy that I look at and I, I circle him. Uh, maybe I circle the whole range like Sia. It's a, this is where Sia is starting at least at least 10% of his 1,332 lineups this week already filled out. Um, but I, I do think there's a lot of opportunity here and, and, and Scheffler sticks out to me and Fitzpatrick sticks out to me in a different way, uh, in an alternate reality kind of a place. And Mark Leishman is another one that I really like. Scheffler to me, when I was running through this, this morning, I was surprised with how good the numbers were. I mean, I was kind of, kind of comparing last 20, last 30, somewhere in there, kind of finding a sweet spot number of rounds. And Scotty Scheffler is almost like just an $1,800 cheaper Bryson, obviously not going to gain as many off the tee, but he's been better on approach. He's been, um, he's been, he's been hitting it just as far. He's been making just as many birdies. Like I really like the way that Scotty Scheffler has been playing. So see, I think we, I think we got everybody in the nine K range. We left out Sergio Garcia. We didn't really touch on Sam Burns Burns coming off of, uh, his, 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 his recent win. How do we feel about, I mean, he's had the week off though. So I, I kind of feel like uh i don't mind going back to to burns here and let just letting him hack away and let it fly out there again i i like so many plays in here i can't say them all but a i agree with shuffler but i like burns too i mean listen he by the way last 36 rounds he's sixth uh on approach and off the tee he's around 36 so uh, he should play really well at this course and and by the way speaking of off the tee Sergio's second off the tee last 36 rounds. So I mean, all of these guys, especially, it, it kind of depends, actually. I mean, it, it goes back to Greg's initial comment. Are, are you going to favor off the tee game? Or are you going to, like, if you're, if it's just between approach and off the tee, I feel like in this 9K range, you almost have to make a decision and, and you just kind of stick with it because some of these guys are, are way better off the tee than they are approach. And then the opposite is, is obviously true as well. But I like both of those guys. You know, see, the more I think about it, the more I think, I don't think it's off the tee. I think it's approach. It's between approach and and putting. 
And that can that's a really hard thing to predict the putting who's going to mm-hmm. have the best putting week because I mean it, it's really hard to uh, hard to predict so but I, I don't think it's off the tee the more I think about it the more I see that layout the more I lean towards approach and putting yep I, I, I kind of think I'm I'm moving in that direction as well which I, I think makes sense if everybody kind of gets leveled off the tee because there is no penalty if you if you hit it poorly, then what's the incentive of being good off the tee? The incentive would be the iron play, which I think starts to make more sense the more I think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm okay. with you. But also on this 9K range, yeah. Sia loves all 9K ranges. It's, it's <laughs> all his range, as we know. But he, in this case specifically, there's not a bad play. You could question Sergio, but there's not a bad play in this range. If you sent me a message and said, hey, I'm thinking of Capco, uh, any of those guys in the range, say, yeah, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. They're all good plays. It's just finding out where, um, you know, who of one, who you like the most and, and where is that going to fit in your lineup? So I, I don't think you can make a bad choice in that range. Fair enough. We're going to jump down to the 8K range. We're going to go deeper and find some value in this field. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. $8,000 range. Sia, Jason Day starts it off at 8900 It goes down to Keith Mitchell and Cameron Champ at $8,000 flat. Who's moving the needle for you here in the $8,000 range? So I will acknowledge that I think most people who are doing models, you know, Siwoo Kim and maybe even Thomas Peters, some of these guys are probably going to flash. I mean, Jason Day, if you're willing to ignore the putting, but I think we just talked ourselves out of Jason Day because of how putting is going to be important here. So I'm going to go down the list a little bit. Uh, no pun intended. Greg knows how much I love this guy. About a month ago, he was telling me, man, see it, you love Luke List. And I do love Luke List. And he's finally coming around to the Luke List that I kind of thought he would be. Uh, last week at the Wells Fargo, he was great. He gained across every single category. Um, he was fourth in the field off the tee last week, by the way. Uh, 11th in the field tee to green over the last 12 rounds and sixth off the tee in the last 36 rounds. I mean, he's really kind of ramping up. And this isn't just an off the tee guy. This is like this guy is kind of killing it on approach too. So I like Luke List. A couple other guys I'll mention that have been pretty good lately. Um, Aaron Wise, uh, fifth tee to green at Wells Fargo. I think his game actually suits this course pretty well. But another guy that I think is kind of going unnoticed. He's 8,100 on DraftKings. Uh, last week, he was great. 
He gained over 10 shots tee to green. This is obviously in total. Uh, he was third in the field tee to green, and he's actually been good the last few weeks or the last few tournaments, and that's Charles Schwartzel. Um, remember, when he was playing with Louis, he kind of put himself back on the map a little bit, or people at least started noticing at that point. But he's been pretty good at least then, and, and, and you know after that, he's been good as well. So I think Charles Schwartzel is a very smart value play at 8,100. To add some context to Luke List, what I find interesting, Sia, is this guy, notoriously terrible putter. You can see that here on rickrungood.com. He's losing strokes putting every single event from the 2020 PGA Championship to the essentially Farmers Insurance Open. It's like five months of losing strokes putting. Now, he has started to figure it out. He is still not great. Don't get me wrong, but he's had, you know, 50% of his weeks, he's gaining strokes with the flat stick. And if he's going to continue to do that, see, I imagine he's going to contend much more often. Yeah. And we, we obviously don't want those blow up spots. And, and it does give me pause to look at that when I, when I analyze him versus let's say a Charles Schwartzel or an Aaron Wise um, or somebody a little bit higher on the board, but I, I like where his game is at right now. And I think he's, he is a good course fit here. Okay, $8,000 range for you, Greg. We're trying to see Harris English work back into form. Uh, Keith Mitchell, who just played well last week, played well at the Zurich. He's down in this range. Where are you headed? Okay, um, so my initial thought when I was first thinking about this is this should be a great week for Cam Champ. Um, But as we've kind of gone through, he's at 8,000 flat. So that's kind of interesting to me. But looking at his numbers, he's struggling approaching the green a little bit, uh, struggling with the putting. And that's how you don't that's how you don't win tournaments when you hit it as far as he does. So I I think I'm off of Cam Champ. But uh, Siwoo Kim is really the one the one guy that jumps out to me. The problem with Siwoo Kim is his price. And when you're at 8,800 and you have a 9K range like we do, where you feel like you, I mean, you can't get enough of those guys. You take the whole 9K range if possible. Siwoo Kim might get priced out of it, but he is the best approach player in this range, um, at least since the start of 2021. And recently, he's had a, a couple of great starts in a row. 33rd at the RBC Heritage, 12th at Masters, 23rd at the Valero Texas Open and 9th at the Players Championship. I, I feel like Siwoo Kim is in some really good form and he's not putting with a, a fairway wood or a hybrid anymore, which I do think can go a long way for him. So I, I think Siwoo Kim is my favorite in this range. Five consecutive events, Siwoo Kim has gained strokes on approach. I can, I include the match play stuff in there. It's not perfect, but he striped it in his three matches. He didn't uh, he didn't hit it well off the tee, and he and he lost some strokes around the green. And match play is weird. He did not make it out of his group. Okay, see, so yeah, let me pop this back to you. Anyone else in the eight thousand dollar range? We kind of glossed over Jason Day. He's been. Uh, I don't even want to say a shell of himself. I mean, he doesn't even look like himself. He's almost unrecognizable on the course just by his physical uh, appearance and then also by his metrics because he's just uh, uh, hemorrhaging strokes on the green. His approach play, horrible. I'm not sure what to make out of this, but I don't think he's going to be getting any of my investments. Yeah, and you wonder if just the history of injuries is sort of just affecting his game overall. I mean, I I, I don't. I, I'm never really on Jason Day, so I, I don't. 
I, I didn't do a deep dive into him, but looking at these metrics, it's just not something I want, I want to be a part of, especially with other guys that I like that are, you know, priced just above him or just below him. So uh, no thank you to Jason Day. I, by the way, I do think Cam Champ is interesting, and I wonder where Thomas Peters' ownership is going to be. I mean, this guy, I think, should be a little bit better now than, than he is, uh, he's, but he's flashed a lot of potential lately. And if his ownership is low, I think he's an interesting pivot. I got I got one other guy that kind of um, has my potential interest. I want to get I need I need a little bit of help on this one, um, and I I expect ownership to be very low. I love the Charles Schwartzel pick that you had, Sia. I think he's been in great form. He's worth taking, but at eighty two hundred, just a hundred dollars above him is Matt Kuchar, and I wonder Matt Kuchar is a guy kind of in that space where he's putting better than most of the guys in that range. Um, and, and I wonder if he, if this does turn into that putting contest where you see Matt Fitzpatrick playing well, could you get him at Kucher who's in there playing well? He's had a couple of better events of late. He was 18th at the RBC heritage. That that's a golf course that really fits him. So I can understand that, but the Valero Texas open, he was also 12th. Um, and, and I wonder if that kind of is a sign. And we remember what happened at the match play. Is he really in good form? And could this golf course fit a Matt Kuchar who's definitely on the, on the way up and playing a little bit better, swinging it a little bit better. So I think he's in that camp, right? It's like if we describe this as potentially iron play and putters where like if those two things can get hot, that's how you find success. He's in that bucket. If it ends up being the bombers, uh, bombers and gougers, then he's certainly not on on that side of things. But I think it is very clear that uh, he went through that really tough stretch from essentially the end of 2020 into the start of 2021. And, and we have seen better play. I mean, I uh, the match play is a perfect example of Hey, get hot at the right time. Uh, he makes a run at the Valero. He makes a run at the RBC Heritage. It's certainly improving. The metrics are improving. I'm not super excited about it, but I'm like a five out of ten. If that okay, okay, that's worth bringing up. See, yeah, are you? Wh- where would you put that? At? Would you put a number on that? Ab- I mean, higher or lower than five? I mean, I'd probably go four. And it's just, again, if, if he was priced a little cheaper, maybe in that seven K range, I think it would be more of a consideration for me. But I, I, I don't yeah. think I can get there with him. Okay. Okay, let's jump on down to the $7,000 range. This is where things start to get usually pretty big on DraftKings. Alex Noren Taylor Gooch leading the way at the top, and it goes all the way down to Seamus Power, Tom Lewis, Vincent Whaley, who just racks up top 35s, <laughs> baby. Let's go. Uh, Kevin Chapel, Harry Higgs, all down here. See ya. So, where can I get your attention in the $7,000 range? First of all, congratulations to you, because I think you might have been the only one beating the Vincent Whaley drum last week. It might have even been the week before as well. So, I mean, I I started to talk about him, too, as the week went on, but it was definitely sort of in response to your research. So well done on that one. Honestly, I think he might be in my player pool. But I'll tell you what, Russell Knox has been really good lately. T to green last 12 rounds. He's been great. I think he was, let's see, he was either second or first tee to green last week. Uh, I'm looking now, he was second in the field at the Wells Fargo tee to green. So I just think Russell Knox is in a position at 7,700 where it doesn't seem like value, but the way he's playing, I I think his game has kind of fully come around. I'll mention a couple other guys that I like. Jonathan Vegas, if you are going to buy in 
to the theory that off the tee is really, yeah. really important here. Number one in the field off the tee at the Wells Fargo. Uh, he gained over in total over seven strokes. Uh, he lost most of it with the short game. His, his approach was okay, but typically his approach isn't great. So again, you're, you're having that sort of dichotomy and that decision you need to make between off the tee and approach. But uh, he's been, by the way, he's been good off the tee the last 36 rounds too. It's not just this last week. So I think Jonathan Vegas is interesting. And I'll just throw a flyer out here. Tom Lewis, uh, he missed the cut last week. He was on the wrong side of the weather as well. I think he missed it by two strokes. Um, I, I just think, he, I just think his his tee to green game has actually been pretty good, and I think he could surprise some people. Johnny Vegas has been one of the best off the tee players for years now. So if that is an important stat to you, he certainly fits that mold. To add some context to Russell Knox, he's had basically the most quiet back-to-back top 25s like that I can remember. I don't remember even seeing any of these shots. He finished 21st at Valspar, 18th at the Wells Fargo Championship, and he's gained strokes on approach in six consecutive events. So obviously hitting the ball well. Greg, let's bring you in on the 7,000 dollar conversation who's moving the needle for you um well i think there's a couple of guys one if you're up near the top of that range i think taylor gooch is a guy that you got to look at i i feel like he is a better player than um than being in this class and i wonder and and um his approach game is definitely a strength of his and which i think it go can go a long way but he's a pretty balanced player so i like him in this range the other guy that really sticks out to me kind of in a uh, more of a value play area is camilo vajegas who's been just playing some great golf lately and we're, we're beyond the um the just kind of this is a nice story thing as much as great of a story as it is i think his play is starting to level out and say hey he's he's focused on this for whatever his reasons are he wants to be out here playing and competing and and this is more than you know a a, a nice story at this point I, I know that sounds like a little odd to say but the form has just been in, extremely consistent he has three straight top 25 17th at valero 25th at rbc heritage and 11th at valspar um, and that comes after an eighth place finish at the honda classic so in four out of his last five events he's finished inside the top 25 it's extremely consistent and at 7500 I, I feel like that's a that's a pretty good value and he's really he's really on the way up and he's starting to play some much better golf and this is, uh, I like those results because they're kind of different courses. You know, PGA National, very difficult. Harbor Town requires you to be so accurate and so precise. You get a Texas court, course in there. You get Innisbrook in there. I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty good stretch of courses to be flashing at as well. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So um, I, I think it's real with him. I think his game, this is really where he is. He's playing some really good golf. And, uh, and I think that can go a long way. Now, it's a little bit away from the statistical model. If you want to say, okay, well, Doug Gim's the, the best iron player in this range. Doug Gim's going to be a guy that you want to look at. Uh, Peter Uline's a guy that has played some some yeah. really nice golf on both the Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA Tour, uh, especially at at, um, at the Zurich Classic. So he may be an interesting play, although he feels like he's priced a little bit too high. It doesn't feel as real. Camilo, it feels more real to me than it does for Peter Uline at this point. So I think I would lean that way. Um, but Doug Gim would be another really interesting play. 
U line definitely perks my ears up. He had another good finish on the corn ferry. Greg is absolutely right that he's been he's he's splitting time. He's playing well on both tours. And the other name, the name that many might not know, Sia is John Catlin. And you notice uh, no results. I've got nothing here for him because he's an American that resides on the European tour. And not only does he play there, he wins, my friend. Three wins on the European tour in his last fifteen starts, including one just three starts ago. His last start, I believe, was in Spain. He finished fifth there coming over trying to get his feet i mean he's a he's a top 80 player in the world so how do we deal with the lack of information on john catlin i think we play him uh, and and i don't think yep. this yeah i don't think this course is going to be vastly different from the courses that he's been playing on over in europe i think he's going to be comfortable here and especially with it's not a quote watered down field in the sense that that the Byron Nelson this year has probably more talent than, than it's had, okay? And we can kind of see that when we look at past winners, past top tens, and things of that nature. But I absolutely think you're getting this guy at kind of a discounted price for obvious reason. But but nonetheless, it is a discounted price. So I'm not going to be all in on John Caitlin, obviously, that there are guys I like. Like even right below him, I, I like Tom Hogue as well, by the way. But I think John Caitlin is a really smart play. Okay, uh, Greg, there are a ton of names in here. I think there's a couple guys that I would be worried about. Scott Stallings gained a ton of strokes on the green last week. Satoshi Kadaira, a similar fashion. Is there anyone else in this 7,000 range that we should consider before we move on? I mean, I think you guys are really, really right on it. Hoagie is another guy that that definitely piques my interest. Um, and uh, beyond that, I kind of feel like this range is covered. You know, another guy that doesn't really fit the mold unless this turns into a putting contest to me would be a Wyndham Clark who this year hasn't been on fire putting wise, but he is a really long hitter who tends to putt really well, at least throughout his career. So if you get a Wyndham Clark, who's driving it a long way um, and, and giving himself a lot of birdie opportunities and and making them, I think he could go. He's also, he's not afraid to go really low. He He's a guy that can make a lot of birdies when he gets it going. So um, I'm a little bit interested in Wyndham Clark, but I would say, say he's uh, lower on my list um, in this range than, say, some of the other guys that we already mentioned. Um, but there's one other guy that I think, and Jacob, you're going to want to get ready for this. So we got to ask the question, are there any takers on Ricky Fowler? I mean, that's, that's all. Ricky Fowler! <laughs> that's a hard I just note wanted for to me. hear that. <laughs> I will. Um, I'll have dinner with him. I'll have some beers with him. Not sure I want to get him in my get him in my friend laps. friend of the show, friend of the pod. That's right. Yeah, I think I, unfortunately I don't. I the seventy seven last week just it. Just, I felt like there may be something brewing with Ricky. There may be a little bit of uh, positive, go- and then seventy seven in round two, and it's just it. It just makes it so hard. I, sorry, we can move on. It's okay. Wyndham Clark, I, I find interesting because this is the type of golfer. So I, as I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure out who benefits from wide open courses uh, and guys like Wyndham Clark come to mind, right? He is fourth in driving distance. He is an absolute masher. He is 213th in driving accuracy. There's only probably 225 guys who qualify for stat. I mean, we are talking, he is bottom <laughs> of the barrel. Uh, well, if you don't have to worry about, if you're going to be able to find it when you hit it 316 yards on average, and you might be able to catch a hot putter at times, this is like, uh, you know, 
there's not many places I want to play Wyndham Clark, but if I do, I think this is one of them. Um, you mentioned the putting, Rick. I, I know he's losing slightly this year for 2020, but do you yeah. agree with me that in his career he's been a he's been a, a really really good putter? Yeah, this is his worst year. He's been much better than this. And if I remember correctly, yeah. So, so this is what I think is interesting. There are guys um, who are consistent losers with the putter. Emiliano Grillo, Keegan Bradley up until six weeks ago, guys that are consistent losers. And then there's guys like this. So I'm showing this on rickrungood.com right now, where Wyndham Clark is this, you know, this season is technically losing strokes putting, but he gains four and then he'll lose six and then he'll gain three and then he'll lose two. So it's, 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 there are actual weeks in there, Greg, that he can have a solid putting week. It's not like he's a consistent loser. Right. All right. So that, that's a good thing. I mean, maybe, I think my interest in Wyndham Clark may be rising a little bit. You get a little, the more guys you get closer to the six K high sixes, low sevens, the more guys you can get in there in that nine K range, which I think that makes us all very happy. Right. Well, let's jump two feet in, into that $6,000 range. It's Bryce Garnett, Hank Lebiota, whose actual real name is Henry. In case anyone was wondering, KH Lee all the way down to here we go. Min price this week. Oh boy. Uh, Hunter Mahan, $6,000. Jonathan Bird, $6,000. Ricky hey, Barnes. There's a guy I really like that I'm staring at right now, by the way. Say, say his name. Let's talk Is about it. it. Well, first of all, last 36 rounds, he's 22nd off the tee and 16th Hunt, on approach. It's Hunter Mahan, isn't it? It's not. It's Chris Baker. I don't oh, think that's the right price on Chris Baker. I think he should be closer to like 66, 6700. I'm not 100% sure what I'm missing. I know his short game isn't very good, but I, I don't know why the guy's 6000 and by the way, while, while you're looking him up, can I just say, can I just plug watching this on YouTube? We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Not only do you get all the stuff on rickrungood.com, but we had the flyover of basically the entire course on the front 10 minutes of this show. So you guys got to watch this on YouTube. It's exciting stuff. That was well done. Um, See, so yeah, that was like a, a very hosty of you, which I think is great. <laughs> But you're right on Chris Baker. I I mean, I kept looking through, like, okay, is this going to be an approach week? Is this going to be a ball striking week? And I'm looking on rickrungood.com and I'm sorting by approach. I'm sort. And Chris Baker's name keeps popping up. The only thing is he's, he's a little light on rounds. So yes. it, when I look at the ball striking thing, he wouldn't make my cut in ranking because he only has nine rounds, but he's behind in the field only Jordan Spieth, John Rahm, Daniel Berger, Bryson DeChambeau, Kepka. Luke List, and then it's Chris Baker sitting right there. And and when you see a guy that's that high up, and nine rounds is something. I mean, it's better than two rounds. And he's at the min price. If you're going to take a flyer down there, I mean, you got something to hang your hat on at least. Good and, news is yeah. he has played... He's played 20 times since the start of 2020, the start of last year. So it's not a lot, but it's not 10 uh, and about five or six of those are at events that we don't have the shot link data at. So that's Zurich. It's Punta Cana. It's Puerto Rico. But th if you throw all those out and you leave us with like 15 tournaments, uh, he's gaining strokes on approach in like 11 of them. I mean, he, he is ball striking it when we have data for him. See, uh, he hits it well. <laughs> yeah. And we saw him at the Zurich and, and, you know, full disclosure, I don't remember how he did relative to his partner, but they made the cut, you know, so I, I assume he was pretty competent with the ball striking like like he, the, the previous stats have indicated. All right. Well, let's move from the min price range. I can't believe we started there. That's something we don't ever do. That was fun. Do. That was fun. Uh, okay, Greg, who else in this $6,000 range uh, do you think is worth some consideration this week? Oh, man. This is honestly, it, it's a struggle. This depends on, you're, you're picking and choosing. 
So I went to your um, your graph here. I, I'm on the Holy Grail, and um, I, I know you, you're, um, you're you're much more proficient on this site for some reason, Rick, than I. I don't am. know why. Um, so <laughs> it's not called GregRunGood.com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, maybe you can make a secondary page. It'd be far less popular, I promise you. So I went to the DK price in the Holy Grail, and I'm, I'm yeah. for this year, 2021 on, and I okay. reverse sorted it. Okay. So I got all the, I'm looking at the min from the min and I'm scrolling down, getting higher and higher in the range. And there is as expected, a lot of red. You got some green in the ball striking categories with Chris Baker deep. It's a deep red in the putting area, Mm -hmm. but you know, there's some, there's some positives there. So he's definitely a guy that you could look at from a statistical basis, but there's a ton of red here. So the question is, what do you do in this range? Do you take a guy who's um, maybe been maybe has a, a good recent start. Do you take a guy like Sun Kang who may have a little win equity? He won at uh, at Trinity Forest, as I mentioned earlier. Maybe it has that kind of reminder here. Um, there, there's a couple of guys like Ryan Blom who drives it pretty well. Where where do you go in a range like this? Roberto Castro is another guy who, who drives it pretty well. Do you look for a guy who putts? Do you go with a guy like Ty Strafacci who just played a Walker Cup and is maybe Maybe kind of like the Akshay Batia type where he's young and new. We don't have a lot of info and he's interesting. What's your general strategy down here? I think there's a couple ways we can do this and, and see. I'd be, I'd be very interested to hear how you do this. I think that you could either look for one elite skill set. So if you can find somewhat, uh, you know, um, I'm trying to find somebody with some, with like Ryan, Ryan Bram, right. Is, is one of the best drivers of the golf ball. Now he only has 10 rounds, but that's an elite skill set. Or you can look for guys that are a bit more well-rounded. Uh, Satoshi Kodaira has been a bit more well-rounded, but I kind of look at like a Cam Percy who is, is a better ball striker, Josh Teeter, who is actually gaining a quarter of a stroke per round. Or what you could really do is if you want to get freaky, see, and this is normally what I do, in the lower ranges is I make the sample size really, really small. Like just give me the last couple of starts, 10, 12 rounds and see if there's anything there. Uh, so I think there's a couple of ways you can do it. If you do if you do it that way and you go last 12 rounds or so, Hunter Mahan becomes a good driver of the golf ball. So, I mean, there's, there's kind of different ways to go about doing this. Yeah, I think it's a combo. I mean, you, you can kind of choose which path you want to take. You can take the recent history um, or like, you know, like last 12 rounds, for example, or you can take guys who are just kind of veteran ball strikers that maybe haven't been good lately. I'll be honest, this 6K range, I I would say I like the 6K range like 60, 70% of the time. Uh, this is one of like the 30, 40% where I just don't like the 6K range. So John Huzz, another guy that's like, hasn't been good, but it was classically a good ball striker. Rory Sabatini, you know, speaking of veterans, that, that's another guy you could think of. But what I've sort of done so far is kind of lean on guys that have been good, maybe not in the last tournament, but the recent form has been good. For example, Roger Sloan, Sam Ryder, guys that I've seen recently that in the ball striking department and just in the in the finishing position department, they have done well. They have proven it to me. And so I can kind of maybe lean on the fact that, okay, maybe they're still in that good form. Maybe that's the golfer that they kind of are, uh, you know, instead of the golfer we kind of always thought they were before that good finishing position. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, I I kind of pointed out Josh Teeter. He is a guy that I circled um, earlier in the day because he's a, a, a doesn't play a lot. Splits time between here and the Corn Ferry, but when he when he plays, I think he's made like six or seven cuts in a row. And and quite frankly, Greg, when we're talking about the you know mid sixes or whatever it might be, just finding the weekend is plenty for a lot of these guys. So I think I have I I think I have my guy. Okay. Uh, I think so. And I think it's based on what you guys are saying. I reduced the sample size a little bit and I'm looking, I may have reduced it too much, but what do you guys think about Nate Lashley? Nate Lashley is a guy who pops up and has, he's won before he's popped up a couple of times this year, maybe not in his last couple of rounds. Um, but I, I think Nate Lashley may be an interesting flyer. If you're kind of throwing a dart at it because he's got some success this year, at least getting near the lead. I mean, if they, I mean, you're talking about back at Pebble beach, but maybe he's ready for another resurgence. He plays, he's played better at both the Valero and the Wells Fargo championship, his last two starts, he's missed the cut. But if you look at these numbers, like he lost less than a half a stroke to the field on both of those, that probably means Greg, he missed the cut on the number two starts in a row, which, you know, it's hard to blame guys for that. And, and at the Wells Fargo last week, he gained on approach and, and it, it is getting better. It's not great, but to miss the cut on the number twice in a row, if he gets a little lucky, makes the cut. Now you're talking about, a bunch of scoring opportunities on the weekend. Yeah. And it's been kind of, if you look at the actual scores, it's been a, a bad round and a good round, right? It was at the Wells Fargo, 69, 76, 76, 71 at Valero, 68, 75 and Corrales, um, which actually did make the cut. He ended up coming in 28th there. Um, so there's been, you know, Honda classic. He was 36, the Pebble beach. I mentioned earlier, he was fifth. So, and 17th that waste management, maybe he's, maybe he's uh, on the brink and getting close here. Anybody else see uh, in the 6K range before we kick it? Yeah, I mean, Hank Lebiota. Hank Henry Lebiota, um, who I call <laughs> Hammer and Hank. Um, I think he's he should be a good course fit here. He's been, he's been playing pretty well. Maybe one other guy I'll mention, I, I kind of keep banging this drum. I think, he, actually, he's been pretty good. It just it's just been hasn't been lately. Um, good for his price range. Will Gordon. Um, he's probably priced a little too high here, to be honest with you, at 6800 But I think that's a guy that has some upside. Pr- prior to a few missed cuts in a row, um, he was in pretty good form. He has a couple of really good skill sets. He's very long off the tee, fifth on the tour, 36th off the tee, makes more eagles and birdies than average. There is certainly more you can hang your hat on with Will Gordon. I think that is certainly viable. Greg, you got the last word by man. Anybody else? Yeah, I, I think um, I think with Hank Lebiota, you you bring up a really good point. In his last eight rounds, he's gained a, a full shot tee to green, which uh, it's an extremely small sample size. But I think that may be some good advice, and I think it could be a rare uh, rare course fit. And bless you. Excuse and he's gained me. a Excuse full me. stroke. He's gained a full stroke um, in terms of strokes gained total in his last eight rounds as well on average. So that's what we're. Uh, that's what we like. That's what we like to see from old Hammer and Henry. Is that his name? Oh, Hammer <laughs> and Hank. Uh, yeah, okay, gentlemen. Well. That was fun. As always, our Monday DFS preview. We're going to be back on Tuesday for our full mega preview pod. But for now, let me thank producer Jacob, as always, above and beyond producing of this show. Thank you, producer Jacob. Sia Najad, you can find on Twitter at Sia Najad. And that's Greg Ducharme, who you can find at The Real GFD. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time. 
Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.